Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. There's been an uptick in COVID-19 cases amongst children and babies. Should unvaccinated COVID patients be treated differently than those who've received their shots in the healthcare system? The Bulldogs are still waiting to hit the ice after some games were postponed because of COVID. Applications now open for a summer scholars program at McMaster University. What is dry January and how can you make it a success? And a fundraiser benefiting Crime Stoppers of Halton involves some delicious Donuts. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Newborns and babies being admitted to the hospital in Ontario. It can make parents to be very, very nervous. But I think what, what people need to remember is that if you actually get the vaccine in pregnancy, you can actually help protect your baby in the first few months of life. Well, we have seen an increase in COVID-19 cases amongst children and babies in this province. Why is this happening? Matt Kids Hospital here in uh, Hamilton have uh, admitted already uh, half a dozen babies under the age of 12 months with the virus. Other uh, public health units, hospitals reporting the same thing. Uh, meantime, pediatricians uh, urging pregnant women to get vaccinated because they're seeing this increase in infants um, being brought to hospital with COVID-19. It's something that we haven't really seen a lot of over the last, well, nearly two years. Dr. Timothy Sly is an epidemiologist and professor emeritus in the School of Population and Public Health at Ryerson University and joins us today on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Dr. Sly, good morning. Good morning, Rick. How worrisome is this? Well, this virus has never missed an opportunity to uh, to introduce some new characteristic or to confuse and confound since the very beginning. It's always been a, a stealth virus, and this is the latest wrinkle in the unfolding of the saga. Uh, no one's quite sure why we're seeing such an increase at this moment, uh, whether the, the virus uh, actually attacks uh, baby tissue more than anybody else. I, I really don't know, but uh, we're, we're learning from this almost on a daily basis. We have learned, at least through the, the data that many of us have seen, is that the, the shot is the vaccination, the vaccine that is, is safe for pregnant women. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, uh, two days ago, if my memory serves, uh, pregnant women were now given a priority. Uh, they can move to the front of the queue for uh, for vaccinations. Uh, this has been de- declared to be absolutely not only no safe as it is for everybody else, but, uh, but um, essential because of the uh, young life that these uh, women are carrying. Interesting to know because we know that an infant's immune system is uh, pretty vulnerable to uh, viruses, bacteria, and the like, and uh, it's, it's taken until now to kind of see this uptake. Is that, is that strange? No, it's not. There's, there's an enormous caution here, Rick, as we all understand. I mean, no mother wants to uh, undertake any kind of treatment or, or, or pharmaceutical or something while they're pregnant just in case something happens. But in this case, it's turned out that the, that the, uh, the safety is, is uh, enormous there. But the, the good thing is that the baby doesn't see any of the vaccine. That's an important issue. The vaccine doesn't make it across the placenta, but our uh, our pediatrician experts are telling us what does make it across the placenta is the is the uh, are the antibodies that the mother has produced. So her own proteins that she's produced and are going to protect her also make it across the placenta and can protect the baby even before it's born. That's very interesting. That that some some matter is passed on, if I can put it that way, and some isn't. 
Yeah, but what's, what's passed on is her own proteins. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff that she's made, nothing that's introduced into her body is uh, passed on in this, in this regard. Very interesting. Dr. Timothy Sly is our guest, epidemiologist and professor emeritus in the School of Population and Public Health at Ryerson University. I don't want to throw too much of a curveball at you, but I'm sure you've heard the story from the presidents of the Canadian Medical Association who suggest that we should be having a serious discussion on um, whether or not the same level of care, let's take the hospital system for example, should be delivered to unvaccinated patients as opposed to those who are vaccinated. A, a pretty slippery slope that we might be going down here. Yeah, I know this is a, something that's mentioned and it's probably thought about a bit more, but uh, there's a sort of a general principle, even on the battlefield, you know, that the casualty is a casualty, somebody who needs help, and we shouldn't really bring in those judgments at that point in time. I know this is difficult because you're getting... You know, your your Uncle George, who's who's a perfectly good, careful person and really needs attention right now, should they be getting the same level of emergency and care as someone who's fiercely dug in the heels against vaccination, and that's why they've got it. I mean, this is a kind of a political ethical argument. But frontline workers are simply going to go along and say, here's a person who needs attention, here's another one, we'll give them the same kind of attention. It's a very basic ethical argument. Mm-hmm. And we should note that uh, health care is a human right in this nation as well, so that's important to note. Absolutely, absolutely. Once you, once you begin that, you mentioned slippery slope, but after we begin that kind of a judgmental thing, well, this person deserves more treatment than I might. But then having said that, we have to acknowledge that the whole principle of triage uh, is where you're, you're in an emergency. You're people, people coming in and saying, we're going to put them into three piles. Those who are, are going to be dead in a few minutes, those who can really uh, benefit from treatment if we give it to them immediately, and those who can do a little bit, of, they're pretty safe without the immediate treatment. And so we're always doing that kind of treatment. So, so it, whether that brings to bear here, it's a bit of an argument, ethics. Dr. Sly, always love our chats. Hopefully we can do it uh, again sometime soon. Stay safe and thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Rick. Thank you. Dr. Timothy Sly, epidemiologist and professor emeritus in the School of Population and Public Health at Ryerson University. Uh, An uptick in babies being diagnosed with COVID-19. Some moms who are pregnant not getting the shots. Are they fearful that it's unsafe? That is out there. It is safe to do so. Absolutely safe to do so. So I encourage you to get your shot pregnant or not. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We got to have a serious discussion because there is a serious suggestion that is being made. And it's um, it's being made by, you know, not someone who's just, uh, you know, um, unintelligent, uneducated. Uh, This is being made by the president of the Canadian Medical Association. And we have to have a discussion about this because if this is done... It is going to create, in my opinion, a two-tier healthcare system. And I want to hear your opinion on this. It's also the focus of our Twitter poll question today at AM900CHML. Whether unvaccinated individuals, those who have not received a COVID-19 vaccine, one dose, two dose, three doses, whatever the case is, should they receive the same level of care than those who have received one, two, or three shots? Presidents of the CMA suggesting that it is time that we in this country have a direct and honest conversation, her words, not mine, about how we treat unvaccinated COVID-19 patients in this country. So should those who are unvaccinated get the same level of care 
when they end up in hospital. Because as we know, the thrust of Omicron, which is spreading wildly, is really attacking those who are unvaccinated. Ontario just yesterday saying that COVID patients in hospital has ballooned by a factor of five in just a couple of weeks. Nearly 2,300 people now in hospital. Not only are there more people in hospital, more patients in hospital with COVID, numerous hospitals, including here in Hamilton, reporting massive decrease in staff who are absent because of a COVID-19 diagnosis. Hamilton Health Sciences, St. Joe's Healthcare in Hamilton, 263 patients with the virus, 34 in the ICU, 820 local hospital employees, that's just in Hamilton, are in self-isolation. That's up from 83 yesterday. So when the president of the CMA says, maybe we should be looking at treating unvaccinated patients differently, that gets everyone's attention. What do you think? If you don't have the shot and you get COVID, should you be, let's just call it, less cared for in the hospital system? Brian has called in a good morning, Hamilton. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? I'm okay. What do you think about this topic? Uh, I think this is getting insane. It was two weeks to flatten the curve. Now it's five jabs or you lose your job. And this is insane to me. Like, do we treat smokers differently? You know, do we treat obese people differently? If you had unprotected sex, are you going to be treated differently if you get an STD or AIDS or something? Like, come on now. Like, what what, what have we done as a society now that we're that we have a medical dictatorship and, and we're going to treat people differently because that you are un, unvaccinated. But throughout this pandemic, I'm a transport truck driver. I, I work all over the province. I work with people from all over the, all over. And, you know, if I get a runny nose, it, I get treated like I have the worst illness in the world. I'll go get tested. No problem. My employer pays me, but it's just insane. This is insane. It's the flu. Sure. It's COVID, but it's a different form of the flu, but, I'm done with this. I'm, you know, it is what it is, I guess. We, you know, you can't go to the bars and things like that. And there's a lot of other things that are closed, but we're destroying our society for the flu. Brian, appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Thank you. Enjoy the weekend. Um, tweet from Jer or Jerry. They're all taxpaying citizens. In any case, our healthcare system has a duty to help them regardless. We don't threaten to use fewer resources for other avoidable or at least mitigatable conditions. And uh, Nigel writes, that sounds like segregation, and I thought we were far past that. It's an interesting discussion. It's a very hot topic. It's going to create a two-tier system if it happens. Not saying it is, not saying she wants to, but she obviously wants to have a direct and honest conversation about it. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Hamilton Bulldogs still waiting, eagerly waiting, to hit the ice after their Last few games were postponed because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the protocols that have been put in place with the modified Stage 2 that we're now into in this reopening plan in the province. So what have the dogs been doing? Well, let's ask Reed Duthie, the play-by-play announcer of the Hamilton Bulldogs, who joins us now on GMH. Reed, good morning. Hey, Happy New Year as well. Hey, good morning, Rick. How's everything going? Not too bad. I would imagine that the Bulldogs are tired of waiting. Tired of waiting is the way to put it. Yeah, we'd, we'd like to get back to the ice, obviously, uh, there, there was uh, a couple of postponements that uh, affected that plan this weekend, but Tuesday night against the Niagara Ice Dogs, 7 o'clock puck drop is the return for the Bulldogs and uh, a new body in the lineup. So the, the things have been busy over at uh, Bulldog offices and 
we're very excited to get back and going. Yeah, before we talk about that uh, new guy in the lineup, how, how have the players, how have the coaches been dealing with this layoff? You know, it, it's so amazing, Rick, because we talk about these guys and, and you know, the, the word elite has been thrown around a lot lately because of everything that, that's come down the pipe. And, and they are. They're elite athletes, and they're a, a lot of them headed towards pro hockey eventually. But we forget their kids, the, the 16 to 20 years old, and it's amazing how well the guys have handled this. Yeah, they want to play. Yeah, they're getting anxious. But this team is all business. It's as business of an atmosphere as I've ever been around in the game. And from Steve Stales right on down through the coaching staff and the players, everybody is Eyes on the prize. Let's just get back to doing our thing and get back to the ice. Earlier this week, the Ontario Hockey League uh, issuing a statement saying that the season is going to continue despite you know some postponements related to, to the virus. Was that the right move? Uh, for me, I, I believe so. I, I think that the, the guys in the league have, have lost enough over the last uh, couple of years, and I think another delay or another uh, pause, I, I just don't see how that would have helped moving forward with the league and with the players. And I think uh, if the the board of governors and the owners are, are willing to continue along, I think it's the right decision. And I, I think it's going to be fantastic that we're still going to be able to bring that kind of entertainment and the kind of uh, the hockey that the OHL provides to the fans watching and listening along. Reed Duffy is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. He's the play-by-play announcer of the Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, Hamilton's three games this week slash weekend have been cancelled. Uh, last night, tonight, and tomorrow, they were supposed to face off against uh, Peterborough, Niagara, and Ottawa, respectively. Uh, with those games being postponed, have we had any makeup dates being announced yet? So the, the first makeup date is Tuesday, January the 11th, this coming Tuesday. That's the January 2nd game from the Niagara Ice Dogs. Uh, there are a couple more that will be on their way out once they get through all the, the scheduling blocks. There were a lot more teams that uh, were affected earlier and with more games than what the Hamilton Bulldogs were. So we've seen the last couple of days a lot of rescheduled games being announced by the league. I imagine they're just working their way through that schedule and finding where they can piece them all back in. So I'd imagine that... Uh, Probably pretty soon we'll, we'll have some, some additional news on what's coming. You mentioned uh, earlier a new body in the lineup. There's also a, a deletion from the roster. A Navarin Mutter who's been here for a few years, no longer a Bulldog. A bunch of draft picks um, exiting the franchise as well. Uh, tell us about this trade. Yeah, it's tough anytime you see a veteran like Navarin Mutter go. He was the, the last remaining player on the roster from the 2018 OHL champions. And uh, just a great young man. Really enjoyed my time being around Navarin Mutter, and he was great for the franchise. But this deal brings in perhaps the best defenseman in the Ontario Hockey League right now. Arbor Jackeye is an elite-level player, and he's an amazing story. Hamilton native, who was never drafted to the OHL, made Kitchener as a walk-on, never drafted to the NHL, went to Montreal's camp back in the fall, and earned himself a three-year entry-level contract. Rick, this kid is very special. And the Hamilton Bulldogs are very excited to have him, and the fans are going to absolutely love Arbor Jackeye. Yeah, he's going to be fun to watch. Reed, we got to go. Thanks for the time today. And uh, when you do get back behind the mic, enjoy it. I know it's been a while. And, uh, again, Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you down the road. Trying to warm up the voice on the NHL video games. I'll do my best, Rick. Thanks very much. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Reed Duffy, play-by-play announcer, Hamilton Bulldogs. Should mention uh, schools in Hamilton may be closed, but the Hamilton Bulldogs Foundation continues to do some amazing work, making a $10,000 donation to Food for Kids. 
for their uh, meal program. So uh, Bulldogs Foundation, while the team isn't on the ice, the foundation's still doing some great work in our community. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Applications are now open for the Biochemistry and Biomedical Sciences Summer Scholars Program at McMaster University. I saw a tweet about this earlier this week. And I thought to myself, wow, this is a pretty cool program. Dr. Caitlin Malarkey is the Associate Chair of Undergraduate Education in the Departments of Biochemistry and Biomedical Sciences at MAC and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Dr. Malarkey, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Rick. I'm well. Thank you for having me. So tell us about this program that uh, applications are now open. What are students going to learn in this program? Yeah, great. Thank you for the opportunity to share this program. So um, this is a newly launched program from the department in partnership with the Infectious Disease Institute Research and and also Global Nexus. So this is a fully funded 12-week program that provides successful applicants with cutting-edge skills training, mentorship, and career development opportunities in in STEM. So the, the mission of the program is to engage students from equity-deserving groups to pursue biomedical research and careers in biomedical sciences. Are you going after students who are already involved or at least interested with STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math? Yeah, that's right. So um, the eligibility for the program is students who are enrolled in a um, STEM STEM post-secondary degree diploma program um, or undergraduate program. The idea here is that we recognize that there's a lot of barriers, um, especially for students from underrepresented groups to engage in STEM. And so the goal, one of the goals of the program is to try um, and remove some of those barriers so students have the opportunity to pursue research opportunities. And so really, I think the highlight to me of this program is in two things, probably. The first is that we are doing an intensive skills training Uh, at the beginning of the program with these students, and then they will have a 10-week immersive research placement. And that will be in the lab of our biochemistry faculty members, of our Infectious Disease Institute faculty members. Um, So it's it's a really unique opportunity in that way. How many students are you looking for? Yeah, so the inaugural class, we're aiming to recruit somewhere between four and six students. Um, You know, this is the first year that we've run the program. Um, so we will see what what the application and the applicant pool looks like. I, I am I've got to tell you we had a lot of interest since we announced the launch of the program. Um, so I am optimistic that we will have a high number of applicants, and then in subsequent years we'll be able to grow the program. Yeah, my guess is you're going to have some tough decisions on who gets in and who doesn't. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, tough decisions, but it, it, that's a good problem to have. Dr. Caitlin Malarkey is our guest. Uh, Dr. Malarkey is an Associate Chair of Undergraduate Education in the Department of Biochemistry and Biomedical Sciences at McMaster University. We're chatting about applications now being open for the Biochemistry and Biomedical Sciences Summer Scholars Program at MAC. Uh, How do people apply? Yes, excellent. So um, the best way to learn about the program is actually to visit the Infectious Disease Institute website, which we where we have all the information in the eligibility criteria and application guidelines. Um, so that's at iidr.mcmaster.ca. Um, once you are at that website, if you navigate to the education and outreach page, you'll find everything about the program. If anyone has any questions, um, they can feel free to reach out to our email address, which is just very easy, scholars at mcmaster.ca.
And uh, application deadline is February the 14th. When do you uh, contact the, uh, I guess, the winners, those who are going to be taking part in this program? Right. So successful applicants will be notified at the end of March. And the program will run all summer. And again, it's, this is a this is a fully funded program for 12 weeks. Um, students will have the opportunity to work in well, one of the nations and, and internationally um, best research intensive departments. There's an inclusivity component to this program as well, because we know that STEM, uh, there's a lot of individuals who get into these programs, but uh, they might not be from all walks of life. That's exactly right. So we recognize that when we look at STEM degree programs and individuals who occupy STEM-related jobs in the workforce, um, there are huge gaps in racial, ethnic, uh, and gender. So this program is particularly uh, geared to students who self-identify as uh, Black, Indigenous, or 2S LGBTQIA. You mentioned this is a fully funded uh, program. Talk about the funding component and why that is important, because now you're you're dealing with, in, in many regards, a racialized community that you're trying to attract. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there are many barriers for students from um, equity-deserving groups to engage in research. One of those pieces is financial. Oftentimes, research opportunities in the summer are not paid. And if we have students that need to uh, earn money for family situations or to offset tuition, um, that is a, a huge barrier to be able to engage um, in this opportunity. So this is what we offer to students is a stipend um, that is above minimum wage. It is it is a generous stipend for student work. Uh, we offer housing in residence that's fully covered. We offer transportation to and from Hamilton um, parking. There is a child care subsidy for those that may have child care responsibilities. So we really try to alleviate that barrier um, in the best way possible. Dr. Caitlin Malarkey is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Associate Chair of Undergraduate Education in the Department of Biochemistry and Biomedical Sciences at McMaster University. Because we're in a pandemic, and I have to ask this, is, is some or all or, or a portion of this virtual at all? We are planning to deliver the program in person. Obviously, um, that <laughs> we need to carefully watch the, the COVID situation, um, but we have some lead time here. But at the moment, we plan to deliver the program entirely in person, and the research placements will be in our laboratories. Well, it sounds like a phenomenal program. It is going to, I think, elevate those who are interested in STEM into some probably great careers. This is an awesome launching pen for those who want to get involved. Uh, Dr. Malarkey, thank you for um, shining a spotlight on this for us and, and letting our community know about it. Thank you so much, Rick. I really appreciate the opportunity to spread the word about this program. Thank you, and have a good weekend. You Do as well. Dr. Caitlin Malarkey from McMaster University's uh, Department of Biochemistry and Biomedical Sciences. She's an Associate Chair of Undergraduate Education in that department. Again, the deadline to apply is February the 14th. Uh, you can, if you want to Google, it's probably the easiest way to do it, Biochemistry and Biomedical Sciences Summer Scholars Program or McMaster STEM Program. You can probably Google 
Google that as well. Uh, it sounds like a, a phenomenal launching pad for those who are interested in science, technology, engineering, math, uh, fully funded as well. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. What is dry January? You've heard, well, some of the commercials here on 900 CHML. You've heard the term, I'm sure, in the past. This is nothing new, but it could be new to you. What is it and how can you make it a success? Ian Hamilton is an associate professor of addiction at York University, and he joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good. Yourself? Perfect. Thank you. How long has dry January been a thing now? It's certainly in the UK and some other countries, this will be its ninth year. So it's been going for some time now. What's the response been like? Well, it started quite small. There was about 4,000 people who signed up officially uh, back in 2013. Um, now this year, or last year rather, last January, there was 130,000, but that's only those who registered. It's estimated that upwards of two to three million people actually take part in dry January. So they don't officially sign up to do it. They do it by themselves. Hmm. So it's a hugely popular uh, event in, in January. Why has it become so popular? What is the appeal? Well, I think it's tied in, isn't it, with uh, New Year's resolutions, the idea that we we kind of go through Christmas, go through the festive period, we probably indulge a bit too much, and we think about renewing and rejuvenating in the new year. So it's actually quite a good time because New Year's resolutions have been around for decades. So it's, it tunes into that. It gets people thinking, you know, what do I want to change? And quite often... Uh, people do want to do something about the amount they drink and, and just test their relationship with alcohol. Ian Hamilton is an associate professor of addiction at the University of York. Joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. What tips do you have for our listeners who are partaking in dry January and, and maybe they're struggling to to stay dry this month? Yeah, that's a really good point. So I think the the, the tip related to that is not to to view it as a complete failure that if you do slip up. So here we are, 7th of January. If you got through the first few days, perhaps um, had a drink last night, don't view it that you failed completely. You know, just start again today. Um, learn from what happened. Think, you know, why was it I had a drink last night? You know, did something trip me up? Was I feeling bad? And put an alternative in place. But I think the most important thing that you can do that I would share with, with listeners is tell someone that you're doing it. It's incredibly powerful when you tell someone rather than just keep it to yourself. It, it forms a kind of social contract that you either feel too ashamed to break or you actually get some kind of motivation and support from others who are either doing the same thing or are just willing to support you in trying to achieve a month without alcohol. That is a great tip because whether you're trying to lose weight or quitting smoking or um, you know uh, not drinking during January, whatever the case is, having a, a dry January buddy, so to, seem, uh, so to speak, yeah. w- would help. It does. And, you know, we see that in other industries. We see that, you know, um, when people want to lose weight or they're on a diet, there are whole businesses set up to support people with that. You know, we have Weight Watchers here in the UK. There'll be various other um, iterations of that around the world. And that's because we know that people, when they do something as part of a group, they feel as though they belong to something and it actually energizes them. They feel supported. Um, And it keeps them going with what they're trying to do, which sometimes can feel difficult. But I think, again, maybe tuning into what it is you're gaining rather than what you're losing. So, yeah, you're not going to be drinking alcohol, but you will notice your sleep improve, you'll feel brighter, 
uh, you'll be spending less money. Um, you know, so all these things, I think, are things that you're gaining rather than something that you're losing. For those who are addicted to alcohol and, and even cigarettes, yeah. is, is the same thing happening within the brain? I think it's slightly different. And I would say that for people who are drinking um, at hazardous levels, so certainly people who are physically and psychologically dependent on alcohol, but particularly physically, then dry January isn't something that they should be doing. You know, the, abruptly stopping alcohol can actually kill you. So in very extreme cases, and at the very least, can be very, very uncomfortable. So I think, you know, that kind of detox, as it were, needs to be done under medical supervision rather than a do-it-yourself type of attempt. But uh, yes, we, we do think there are subtle differences in the way that people who are dependent, um, their kind of brain chemistry works, and physiologically as well, the response they have to alcohol, and critically, uh, what happens to them, as I say, when uh, alcohol is abruptly removed. We're chatting about dry January with Ian Hamilton on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Ian is an associate professor of addiction at the University of York in the UK. Uh, for those who quit smoking, uh, many people turn to food to kind of supplant that feeling or or, or uh, uh, whatever the case is. When, yeah. when people are getting sober, what is the ramifications of, of doing so? Well, what's really interesting about this is that although people sign up to dry January um, and think to themselves, right, I'm going to have a month off the booze and, and quit alcohol for uh, that, that month of January, we find uh, in following them up that actually it isn't just alcohol that they change, they start to engage in a whole host of other behaviours. So things like uh, working on their fitness uh, developing new hobbies. So that's what makes actually measuring the impact of dry January so difficult because people don't just do one thing. They don't just give up alcohol. It seems to trigger a range of other um, behavior changes in them. So whether that be to do with their diet, whether it to be due, as I say, with exercise, there, there seems to be this almost dominoes effect that takes place, which is really interesting. Very much so. Ian, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the rest of your day and your weekend. Thanks. Pleasure, Rick. That's Ian Hamilton, Assist Associate Professor of Addiction at the University of York in the UK, talking to us about dry January. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. A fundraiser is taking place this month that is benefiting Crime Stoppers of Halton, and it involves some delicious donuts. Yes, thank you very much. Don't mind if I do. Colin Jessam is the executive director of Crime Stoppers of Halton and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Good morning, Colin. Good morning, Rick. So what's going on with this fundraiser? Tell us about it. Well, uh, January, Rick, is uh, Crime Stoppers Month across the globe, and this is where we bring awareness for the program, what Crime Stoppers does, and how it serves the community. And to bring that awareness uh, to the table, literally, we've gone ahead and teamed up with Sunshine Donuts in Burlington, who's created us a mocha cookie stuffed donut to sell for the month of January. And part of those proceeds go back to Crime Stoppers. Wow, yeah, a dollar from each donut sold is going to be donated to Crime Stoppers. And uh, I'm not sure how much money you're going to get, but my guess is a lot because people love donuts. <laughs> well, you know, especially as we push it towards our first responders who, uh, you know, who always receive 50% discount at Sunshine Donuts. So it's always an incentive. Um, but we definitely want to get the word out there because the program's important and uh, eating donuts, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? Poli police and donuts, it's a perfect pairing. 
<laughs> Absolutely. We thought so, too. Uh, Sunshine Donut Company is located at 439 Brock Avenue. You can also find them online, sunshinedonuts.com. And you mentioned, you know, the, this is not your ordinary donut. This is a mocha cookie stuffed donut. It's stuffed with coffee and Oreo buttercream, dipped in chocolate glaze, topped with an espresso drizzle, and Oreo crumbles. Um, this is the donut of all donuts. You're, you're making me hungry, Rick. Yeah, this is the whole idea is going to be a, a coffee, donuts and coffee and police uh, angle. So that's why we went with the mocha stuff. And, and thanks to Sunshine Donuts for making such a great donut for us. Yeah, my mouth was watering so much I could barely get through that sentence. Um, <laughs> with, <laughs> with Crime Stoppers, we're with uh, Colin Jessamy. He's the executive director of Crime Stoppers uh, Halton. What, what type of calls, tips uh, do, you, do you guys receive on, on a daily basis? So the, the reason why the program exists and is so successful is that, we, you know, we offer a chance for people to be anonymous. So for those people who want to share information about crimes they know about or have information about, you know, we encourage you to please give us a call if you feel you're uncomfortable calling your regular police service, and we'll manage that for you. But you know, realistically, uh, anything that's an emergency, we'd like you to call 911. Any known crimes, we'd like you to contact us. So is it, more often than not, is it a resident calling Crime Stoppers anonymously, suggesting that, you know, they've seen something or, you know, they've heard maybe a crime story on the news and they might have additional information or maybe even offering security videos? Is that the kind of calls you usually get? That's absolutely what we get, yes. And we receive hundreds of calls a month, hundreds of tips a month that lead uh, investigators towards arrests. And, uh, and then, of course, um, these tipsters, we affectionately call them, receive a cash reward. For their efforts. Are, are most of the calls useful? Absolutely, yes. Even when somebody thinks that a small piece of information might not be something relevant, it usually ties into a bigger picture. So we appreciate every single call. Do not hesitate. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Colin Jessam. He's the executive director of Crime Stoppers of Halton. If uh, you do have a tip about uh, a crime in your community or you see something suspicious, you can always call 1-800-222-TIPS. That's 1-800-222-8477. What kind of um, impact has social media had on crime? Stoppers. Uh, since the pandemic, of course, as many nonprofits as they struggle through this, uh, navigating through all of this, social media has still been our contact with everybody. So we make sure that uh, we have a lot of relevant information about good programs to uh, halt in the surrounding area. You mentioned COVID as well. Obviously, a, a big impact that the virus has had on on policing and and even Crime Stoppers. Absolutely, yes. You know, getting out there in the community is imperative to uh, to us to make sure that the message is out there. So whatever we can do to get out there and through Sunshine Donuts, this is a great opportunity for the entire month of January. It is a great initiative. Do you have, do you have a fundraising goal at all? Uh, no, because this is our first pilot for this one, <laughs> but uh, this will be a regular uh, endeavor that we take on every single year. And uh, we'd love to see the $1,000 mark. Uh, so if there's a 1,000 sales for donuts during January, that would be wonderful. That's awesome. And what is the money going to be used for? So we continue to do our programs, uh, fraud awareness to uh, to our older adults and to our school programs once we're, we can get back into the schools. Lots of fraud, awareness, and, and mental health issues. Great stuff. Colin, really appreciate the time. Best of luck with the fundraiser, and uh, enjoy the weekend as well. 
Thank you so much, Rick. Thank you, everyone. That is Colin Jessam. He's the executive director of Crime Stoppers of Halton as they launch into its Crime Stoppers Awareness Month here in uh, in January, uh, launching a new donut-related fundraiser through the Sunshine Donut Company in Burlington. They're located on uh, Brock Avenue, 439 Brock Ave. You can go online, and uh, a warning, the donuts look amazing, sunshinedonuts.com, and that's dough, like D-O-U-G-H, nuts.com. And uh, as you heard, a dollar from each donut sold is going to go to Crime Stoppers to uh, fund their, um, um, you know, integral programs to keep the community safe, get that fraud awareness out there. And again, if you do have a tip about a crime in your community, see something odd or suspicious, don't hesitate to call. You will remain anonymous. 1-800-222-TIPS. That's 1-800-222-8477. Mocha cookie stuffed donut. Oh, it sounds so good. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.